Man, what an amazing God we serve. You know this is called Associate Pastor Sunday. And uh, the reason they call it Associate Pastor Sunday is they say that uh, most pastors run for the hills after Easter. All the work it took to get up to Easter. They had the big crowd. They didn't want the next Sunday when everybody was not going to show up. Well, those folks don't go to Christian Embassy, okay? Because I didn't go out of town for today because I wanted to be here because I knew you would be here. And I just welcome you here to Christian Embassy. Thank you for out of all the churches that you could have gone to this morning and out of all the things you could have done this morning, you chose to be here so that we could worship together and we could study God's Word together and that we could grow in Christ. And, and I pray, take our friendship to another level because I love you guys. I want to get to know you better. I'm telling you what, come on, you can invite my family. It's only five of us. Invite us over for dinner. We'll come over, hang out, get to know you better. We, we promise we don't eat that much. <laughs> we talked about this one time that uh, when she, Pastor Deacon and I were first married, when I was single, I started to church actually. And um, I never cooked because it was always somewhere that somebody was inviting me. And then when we got married, it, it continued. And, uh, and I'm like, I married this girl. I want to know if she can cook, but we never had an opportunity to cook. And then the first baby comes along and things slow down a little bit. And the second one came along, slowed down a little bit. Third one came along, let me tell you what, well, it, it stopped completely. No, not really. But uh, we understand that's a big undertaking, and people have really gotten busy over the years. So we have things here, like the grill and chill we just had on Friday night for our men, and the ladies talk, and we have, uh, we've outgrown our fellowship hall, so when we get this gymnasium built, it'll be a family life center. It'll have a full kitchen, and we'll be able to uh, uh, feed hundreds of people at a time. And uh, we'll enjoy that, and then we'll also have that uh, activities available for our youth and the community. It'll be exciting, but that's, that's in the future. That's in the future. Until then, we'll have to break up into smaller groups and work this fellowship hall as hard as we can and uh, enjoy our, our feast. We had a great time Friday night. Thank you, men, for who you, that came out. Uh, thanks, uh, Brother Mark, and uh, you, you and Cliff. There's Cliff, yeah, and Angelina, you guys, y'all, and the youth, they, the youth hosted that for us, and they were there to serve, and it was just an amazing opportunity uh, for us to see our youth at work in the church with their leadership. It's just great uh, what we experienced there. Thank you guys so much for all that you did and everybody that brought stuff. It was delicious. Some of us let it take it home, and we've been enjoying it uh, since we got home. We got dishes to give to you guys, so make sure you get those uh, out, but it's been great. Um, it's... Uh, you know, so that's why I say let's grow and do life together. Amen. Let's continue to do that. Amen. That's my heart's desire. And uh, we just we just love you guys. Uh, reminds me of a I don't know how it reminds me, but it reminds me of a story where there was these two brothers, very wealthy brothers, and they were business people in the community. And uh, to try and get business and they put up a front, they would go to church and they act like they were really good Christians. Uh, they were always at church. But really and truly, when you looked at their business practices and how they treated their employees and how they uh, did over on people, they really, their hearts were not changed. They were just bad. Well, one of them died. So the other brother goes to the pastor and says, here, I'm going to donate $100,000 to the church. Here's a check. If at the funeral you'll get up and say my brother was a saint. 
pastor says, okay. So he takes the check, runs to the bank, cashes it real quickly. And a uh, funeral comes up in a few days, and the pastor gets up there, and he says, uh, we're here at the funeral you know, for this uh, last service for such and such. Uh, he, was, uh, he came to church every Sunday, put on a good front, but he was an evil man. He, was, he didn't have integrity. He didn't have honesty. He's probably done over a lot of you in here today, and you need to forgive him. He was really, really an evil man. But compared to his brother who's sitting here on the front row, he was a saint. I may have just messed up my opportunity for someone to donate $100,000 to the church. <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> what we want to talk about this morning is something that, deal, that each and every one of us have to deal with. And that is uh, what we hear the Bible teaches and then whether or not it really works in our life. And this comes through way of confession, the power of our confession. And uh, what I want to talk about this morning is how to empower your confession. Because I hear people say a lot of times, you know, Pastor, I confess, but my life's still a mess. Why is that? I confess it, I say it, I'm not saying the right thing, but my life is still a mess. Because we know Proverbs 18.21 says that life and death are in the power of the tongue. Now, God's Word is true, Right? So life and death, blessing and cursing, is in the power of your tongue. James tells us that the tongue is like a rudder on a ship, that the ship is going to find safe harbor or not, depending on where the rudder takes that ship. Just like a bridle in a horse's mouth, the Bible says. Just like a little spark that starts a whole forest fire, the Bible says the tongue is small but powerful. And, I, and, and we know this to be true, but there's another truth we deal with. And that is just like folks have said to me, you know, Pastor, I confess it, I say it, but my life is still a mess. And why is that? What is going on? Well, I believe the Lord showed me some time back. He gave me an understanding of this, and I'm going to share it with you. And if you'll hear what I'm saying and you'll put it to practice, I guarantee you, you're going to see the power of your words release, release life, and release blessings like never before. You will become a confession junkie, you might would say. You'll be looking for every opportunity to bring the life of God and the love of God and the power of God and the miracle working power of God in every situation through your confession. And, uh, and, and move away from that I've spoken the word, I've said what the word says, but it's not working for me. Let's see how the word works. I was studying the word of God, and as I was studying the word of God, this was on my heart. I'd had people coming to me, and it was really bothering me. It's like, Lord, uh, even in my life, you know, when they questioned me, and this was years ago, they questioned me, and it made me question myself. I said, I have said and uh, declared and confessed things, Lord, and it's just not seeming to work. I'm saying the right thing. I'm saying it right out of your word. And the Lord showed me, gave me a revelation, and it, and it came in three words. It was revelation, meditation, and proclamation. Those three words. And it came as I was studying in Psalms, the 39th chapter, and I, it was at verse 3. That's where I was stuck, at verse 3. And as I was reading this verse of what David was writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, my eyes were open and I got these three words, revelation, meditation, and proclamation. So let's look at that verse of Scripture in Psalms 39, verse 3. And it says, My heart grew hot within me, 
And as I meditated, the fire burned. Then I spoke with my tongue. Here's the three-part progression that the Lord showed me. Revelation, meditation, and proclamation. And we're going to dig into this, and I pray, and the next 20, 30 minutes when you guys leave out of here, watch out devil, watch out circumstances, watch out chains, watch out bondage, watch out burden, watch out pain. It's got to go. It's got to go because you're going to go out of here in a whole different mindset, I pray. So we, we have to, uh, take, uh, ex- uh, to take what God is saying and see it manifest and made real in our lives in order for it to truly impact us. And that's exactly what God wants us to do. So here's David. He said, you know, he said uh, after I looked at the Word, received that revelation, then I meditated on the Word, and then as I meditated on the Word, that which the revelation warmed my heart, but the meditation turned it into a fire. And then proclamation, I begin to speak. And that is exactly what we're going to learn here today. And when he said his heart was burning, I don't think he had heartburn. He wasn't reaching for tomes or rollades because he's talking about a different heart. He's not talking about uh, your physical cardiac heart. He's talking about the Hebrew word is actually lave. And it's uh, from a Hebrew word, L-E-B, spelled lay or pronounced lave. And it means the heart or the soul of man. The soul of man, the seed of your emotions and your passions and your mind, your knowledge and your thinking and your memory, all of that makes up the heart of what you believe, who you are and what you believe. And, uh, and that is very, very important. The heart is very important because we know if we believe in our heart that God has raised Jesus from the dead and confess with our mouth, then we're saved. So that's the progression that God has for us. So here's David using the word heart to speak of his soul. And in his soul, it got warmed by the revelation of God, but through meditation, the the warmth turned into a fire that then became practical as he spoke it. He saw the demonstration and the manifestation of what God has said come into his life, into reality. So uh, that, that revelation uh, and illumination and revelation that he talks about in the New Testament calls it revelation. It's where we get the insight into the mind of God. So David was saying, I have received supernatural insight into the mind of God. I know what God is thinking. I know what God's will is. And the good thing for you and me, David didn't have this, but we have the complete Bible, which is a full revelation of the mind, the heart, and the will of God. So as we take the Bible, which is divinely inspired, and we open it up, we get to see the heart of God. We get to see into the mind of God. And God shows us all through the Old Testament, all these wars that took place. They are physical examples of now the spiritual warfare that we're in. We see there's a parallel there. We see all of the law that was given and all the ordinances that had to be fulfilled in the Old Testament, and if they didn't, they were standing before God, weighed in the balance and wanting, and it brought them to the place where they realized, if I keep 99.9% of the law, but I break that 0.1 or 0.1%, I'm guilty of breaking it all, it basically brings us to our knees to say, without grace and a Savior and, and assistance from God, without Yeshua, then we have no hope of salvation. And that's exactly what the law was supposed to do. It's to be our two that brought us to the place of realizing that by our own efforts we can't save ourselves, that we need outside help. 
We need divine assistance. And Jesus, the Son of God, was the one who came to bring that salvation to us. So now our salvation comes through faith in Him. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that what? Whosoever believes, there's that heart, that believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. So we get into the Word of God. The revelation is given to us. This is the Logos. This is the Greek word Logos, the established word, the revelation of God. We can't change it. We should never want to change it. We shouldn't want to cut anything out and we don't want to add anything to it. This is the revelation of God. So what we do, if we're going to empower our confession, we've got to not take on what somebody said, what was passed down through family members. We've got to take on exactly what God says. So we've got to get into the Word. That's why I'm committed here at Christian Embassy. We're going to be a Word church. We're going to, it may not be the coolest trend of the day to get up here and teach the Bible, but let me tell you what, the book of men and the books of women don't have the power that the Bible has. The books of men and the trends of men don't have the power that the Spirit of God has. And we don't need some trendy thing that won't work in the midst of opposition. We need that which is already proven to be more than an overcomer, more than a conqueror. We need that which is greater that is in us and that which is outside of us to rely on. That's the revelation of God's Word. Hallelujah. And in Ephesians 1 and 17, the Apostle Paul says, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation that nothing would hinder you from receiving the spirit of wisdom and the spirit of revelation. So the Holy Spirit is backing, as He's the author of the Bible, He's also backing His book to help you understand it to get the revelation of it. Hallelujah. So we need to understand the power of the Word of God. And the Apostle Paul says uh, that we should be enlightened in this, which helps us know the hope of our calling, the inheritance that God has given to us, and the power that is available to us. So he says, I give this to you so that you will know these three things. And these three things, if you look at verses 18 and 19 of Ephesians there, he says that you might receive the hope of your calling. You will know the hope of your calling. The Bible, the revelation of God's Word, will help you know the hope of that which you were called to. It will help you understand, discover, and be able to grow in and fulfill the purpose of that which you were created. You will find it through revelation in God's Word. You will also find the inheritance that is yours. That everything that Jesus went on the cross for and went into the grave and conquered death and came out of the grave, there is death certificate there so that there will be a transfer of your inheritance. Jesus died and was dead long enough that death certificates could be written up that you could go and whatever he left in the bank account, you can draw on it. It's yours. And then when he raised from the dead to not complicate that legal matter, he said, I'm going to the Father and I'll send my spirit to be in and in and work through each and every one of you. But the inheritance is yours. Healing is yours. Deliverance is yours. Salvation is yours. Freedom is yours. Prosperity is yours. Everything that I came to provide is ready for you now. For now. He said, I sent my word, I healed your diseases. By my stripes, you are healed. Let me tell you, he said, all of that is yours now so that you might get the inheritance that is within you 
and the power that is available for you. There's greater power available for you than you're operating in now. I'm telling you there's forces of hell coming against you. But the forces of hell and sickness and disease and poverty and, and bondage, every force that's coming against you pales, pales in comparison to the power of God that is in us. Hallelujah. And we get that from the revelation of God's Word. And let me tell you what, what hinders uh, us receiving the revelation is when we uh, allow the circumstances of life to burden us down. There's a great story that follows the resurrection of Jesus that kind of shows that to us, where two of Jesus' disciples were on the road to Emmaus there after the resurrection. Look at Luke 24 and verse 13. It says, Now the same day... Two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. And they talked and discussed these things with each other. And Jesus Himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing Him. So my question is, what was it kept them from recognizing Jesus? Well, verse 21 tells us. It says, they were hoping that it was He who was going to redeem Israel. In other words, what kept them uh, from seeing and recognizing Jesus is they were in a, des a destitute position in a hopeless situation. Their hope had gone. They thought Jesus was coming to rescue them, but He's crucified. He, he was buried. And now they know that that hope is gone. And even though Jesus is right there with them, they can't see Him. Man, there's trouble in our house when we allow the circumstances of life to cause us to lose hope. When we get depressed, when we get we despondent, when we start looking at our circumstances and looking down, we do what Peter did when he was walking on the water as long as he was looking at Jesus. But you remember he says he looked at the wind and the waves. And as he looked at the wind and the waves, even though he's walking on the water, when he sees his circumstances, he begins to sink. I wonder how many of us live a life almost drowning because our eyes are on the wrong thing. We're looking at our circumstances. We're looking at the things that are happening around us. They're real. I didn't say deny them, but we're not looking at that which is greater than our circumstances. And that's the revelation of the Son of God who has already come to bring forth salvation to all. And when I say salvation, that comes from the Greek word sozo, which means to be healed, to be made whole, to be delivered, to be set up, set apart, and even set, uh, uh, set up for the future, which we got Praise God, heaven awaiting us. But it's not just when we get to heaven. Sozo is for this time now as we live here on this earth. It was blind Barnabas who said, Son of David, have mercy on me. Remember that story? Son of David, have mercy on me. The disciple says, hush him and let Jesus pass on by. But when Jesus heard him cry out the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. He stood still. Man, the mercy of God will stop the busyness of life and hear your cry. And Jesus says, have him come to me. And, and when blind Bartimaeus came to him, oh, that I might see, he says, go, your faith has made you whole. That word whole translated right from the Greek text is sozo. Sozo. The same sozo in Romans 10, 9 and 10 where it says if you will confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and believe in your heart that God is raising Him from the dead, you will be saved. 
Same word. Same word. Sozo takes care of everything here while we're still on the ground and still around. And it takes care of our uh, eternity with God as well. So don't limit salvation to just when you die and go to heaven. God wants you to walk in salvation power even today. Praise God. But listen, revelation will not usually come when you're depressed, when you're looking at your circumstances, when you're looking at what you're missing, what you're, what you're uh, losing, or, or, or the things that are out of order. Look at Luke 24, 25. It said, after the two, two disciples had shared their burdens. So they start sharing what? Their burdens. Jesus gets them talking about their burdens because Jesus wants to get the burdens off of them so he can get the revelation on them. Hallelujah. So then the burdens, and Jesus talked with them about the Scriptures. And he said to them, How foolish you are and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Christ have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, Jesus explained to them what was said in the Scriptures concerning himself. And as they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus acted as if he was going further. But they urged him strongly, Stay with us, for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. Here you see Jesus tested them. He pretended he was going to keep on going. He wanted to see if they wanted to be diligent in studying the Scriptures, to see if they were hungry and thirsty for righteousness. If they wanted more, he was going to be there for them. And they wanted more. So Jesus went in with them. And we see in verse 31, then their eyes were open. <laughs> their eyes were open. That's what I'm praying for you this morning, that you will cast your cares upon the Lord, that you won't walk out of here with the burdens you walked in here with, that you won't leave here, you won't leave here with the depression that you came in here with. You won't leave here with the hopelessness that you came in here with. I'm declaring he whom the Son sets free will be free indeed that you will rise up and you'll go into this week more than conquerors in the name of Jesus Christ. That's what I'm praying for you right now. So that your eyes will be opened and you can receive the revelation and see what God is saying about you. So they recognized him and he disappeared from their sight. Now, if you and I were there, I'm thinking I would say, dude, did, did I pass out? Did I blink out? Where, where did he go? Where did he go? And the other one, no, you, you were awake. I was awake. We can't see the same. We don't hallucinate. We can't see the same uh, thing doing that. What happened here? That's what I would have probably been doing. But look what they said. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? Man, I find it interesting that they were more interested in their hearts that were burning within them. Let me tell you what, revelation, when you receive revelation from God, it will warm up your heart. It will cause a, a, a warmth to come into you. And I'm telling you, if you will do what I'm teaching you this morning, that warmth will turn into a fire and that fire will turn into a confession and that confession will turn into a reality of manifest heaven on earth. Hallelujah. So that's what the Lord wants us to see. In this story, first they had to cast their cares upon the Lord in order for them to receive the full revelation. I find people many times, they read the scripture. By his stripes, 
we were healed. Or they'll read the scripture, he who was rich became poor, that we who are poor might be made rich in Christ Jesus. And they're still looking at their bank account. And they're looking at their bills they owe. And they look at the, the they've cut their, they've cut the ringer off, but the phone's still vibrating or, or flashing because they've got the, 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 you know, the creditors calling and they don't know what to do. And it's like, what am I going to do? And they're looking at all the wind and the waves and, 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 and they look here, you know, he who was rich became poor, that we who were poor might be made rich in Christ Jesus. There was a divine transfer. He was naked, hungry, and thirsty, and without all things so that uh, we who had all that poverty curse on us, that curse could be removed and we could be redeemed from the curse and the blessing of Abraham could come upon us. And we read this, but it doesn't become revelation. It's just, it's just an activity because we're distracted from the burdens, distracted from the cares of the world. So first you've got to cast your cares on the Lord and then diligently dig into the Scripture. And I would rather, and I believe God would too, you take one verse of Scripture and get it than memorize the whole Bible. You see what I'm saying? Because when you get it, the revelation becomes a reality and that reality turns into a fire. As David said in the scripture, we opened up with, he said, I looked and, and it warmed my heart. The revelation of God warmed my heart. But as I meditated on it, that which was warm turned into a fire. And then he says, and then I spoke and he spoke with authority and the heavens manifested through the spoken word of this man who has given us this example. Hallelujah. So we need the revelation. We need the word of God. It is the logos. It is the established word of God. We need it, but we've got to get it from the established word of God uh, into our minds to the place where it gets into our heart. Not our physical heart, but that, car, that, uh, that uh, uh, heart that I was talking about, that lay uh, that we were talking about earlier, where our belief system is. So how do we do that? How do we get the logos, and the Greek word would be rhema, R-H-E-M-A. It becomes a realized word. It becomes revelation reality within me before I see it. And then the way I see it is I speak it. David said, I, I received it, I meditated on it, then I spoke it. It was warm, it became hot, became a fire, then I spoke it, and it became a reality. So we move from revelation to meditation. Meditation. Now meditation is not what you're probably thinking. You go sit on the side of a, a building, 42nd floor high on the edge uh, with your legs crossed, crisscross applesauce, and just sitting there humming. That's not what we're talking about here. Uh, this word meditation comes straight from the Word of God, and it means to uh, speak to yourself. It means to think deeply on something until you subconsciously begin to speak it to yourself. It becomes a part of your self-talk. Like the woman who had the issue of blood. You remember that? All the doctors, she spent all of her money, nobody could help her, no system could help her, and she was in a bad way. But she heard Jesus was passing by, and she said to herself, that's what the Bible says. She said to herself, the verb tense there where she speaks to herself is one of ongoing. So it wasn't a one-time saying. She said to herself, if I could but touch the hem of his garment. And she's crawling through the crowd. If I could but touch the hem of his garment, I know I'll be made whole. If, and she's pressing through it. There's children there and there's adults there and they're walking and they're busy. And the Bible says the people had thronged around Jesus so she had to press her way through. But she kept saying to herself, if I can but touch the hem of his garment, I will be 
made whole. She was holding on to an old, uh, old Testament teaching that the Son of God would rise and there was healing in His wings. And it's talking about the tassels, uh, the wings they call them, uh, that was uh, on the hem of His garment. She said, wait a minute. Now, Scripture says that the Son of God, the Son of Righteousness would rise and there would be healing in His tassels. There would be healing in the hem of His garment. And I'm holding on to that. She got a revelation of that Old Testament Scripture. If I can but tell, that's that. But that's for me. And that fire's burning and it pushes her. She's weak. She's bled for 12 years. She's anemic. But she presses through because she knew what had warmed up in her was now a fire. And if she could but touch the hem of His garment, she would be made whole. And Jesus said, Who touched me? And the disciple says, Everybody's touching you. What do you mean, who touched you? He says, Somebody touched me differently. For virtue I felt power flowed out. Let me tell you what. When we begin to meditate on the Word of God, we begin to mutter it to ourselves, and it becomes a reality that we're not going to back down off of. Let me tell you what, you will begin to see the manifest of the Word of God. Amen. This is God's instructions. Joshua 1 and 8. God tells Joshua, as He tells us, the book of the law shall not depart from your what? From your what? David said what? I got the revelation. I meditated on the revelation and that which was warming my heart became a fire. And then I spoke. Meditate on the law of God shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate. You shall speak it to yourself. And what did he say? In it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then, who will make your way prosperous? Who will make your way prosperous? And then what? You may make yourself, you will make yourself prosperous and then who will have good success? You. So you got to participate in the plan of God. And all of this comes from that Hebrew word that does ruminate. We get, you know, where a cow chews the cud. I, want to, I wish I had some uh, breath. And, you know, you could somehow or another just blow out the breath of a cow right now and give us that experience so we would remember this forever, you know, where the cow is chewing the cud, ruminating. He, he eats the logos, and as he meditates on it, chews it, he say, it becomes the rhema. It becomes the realized Word of God. Now, a cow has three stomachs. So when he first eats, he chews it up and he swallows gulp and it goes into the first stomach. And there's minerals and there's vitamins extracted. And then it's close to lunchtime, so I don't know if I should say this, but they regurgitate it back up. And then they chew it some more and they gulp, swallow it into their second stomach. And it goes through more digestion and more uh, processing. And then he brings it up again. Sometimes, <laughs> but it doesn't necessarily have to because it can go then from the second stomach or chamber of the stomach to the third chamber. And then it is, uh, we won't talk about that, but it comes out and fertilizes things. Okay, so, <laughs> but as he's chewing this food slowly, uh, he's, uh, he's mastigating the food in his mouth. Uh, it is breaking it down. God uses that terminology for us in taking the Word of God. That's why I say it's better to get a small bit of the Word of God and chew it, meditate on it, speak it to yourself till you get it, than to get you know, a whole large portion of Scripture and just say, well, I know somewhere in the Bible, somewhere and it says something like this, and then we'll say something that Grandma said that really isn't even in the Bible, it's just a good saying. 
And, uh, but we thought it was in the Bible because Grandma said it. And, you know, Grandma's dead now. When people die, they're always good about everything. They never made a mistake, you know, once they've died. Except that brother that uh, we talked about in the opening of the service. <laughs> I just brought all this up to show you the process of meditation. And uh, we are to eat the word like a cow eats, not like a pig eats. A pig dives in. He don't even chew, really. He just, he's sucking it in and eating it. And within six hours, that thing is already a part of his body. Whereas a cow, 24 hours it takes to get the best of the best out and get rid of the worst. And, uh, you know, so I encourage us to eat the Word of God, not like a pig, but like a cow, so that we can meditate on the Word of God to get that logos, this revelation of what God has given us into rhema, the realized, the real word for us. It's not Jesus died for the world. He did, but he died for my sins. So I'm not going to live under the guilt of my sins. I'm not going to live under the condemnation of my sin. I'm not going to live under the powerlessness that, my, that condemnation brings into my life because Jesus redeemed me of my sins. Jesus took the curse off of me. So I'm not going to tolerate the curse. I remember years ago, uh, I started the church. I used to evangelize before I came here and started the church. And I was always uh, got strep throat, strep throat. Oh, my goodness. And one time I just thought, I'll manpower strep throat. You know, I, I just be a man. You know? And it came out of my mouth, up the side of my face, into my ear. And I ended up having to go to an emergency room. I was in Pennsylvania. And um, we were traveling through and had to go to the emergency room late at night. The doctor fussed at me. She was fussing at me. And she was giving me a shot of penicillin. She's like, do you not understand? And she was talking about how this infection in my heart and all this stuff. And I said, I, I didn't know it could be that bad. I'm sorry, but help me, help me. And uh, so after that, it was almost like every year. Two or three times I had to deal with strep throat. And I was just like, well, the devil fights my throat because I'm a preacher. And I just like that. You know, I would tell people, yeah, here it comes again. Got to get somebody to fill in for me because I'm sick. I'm on antibiotics and fighting strep throat. And uh, it was just a yearly occurrence until I got this revelation. When the Logos became Rhema, that you know what? Greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. And, 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 and let me tell you what. If, if God says... There's greater in me. I need to tap into that. And he says that he redeemed me from the curse. And, I say, and so that the blessing come on. This curse, this strep throat. If you've ever had strep throat, that's part of the curse. There ain't no blessing in it at all. And I said, wait a minute, this is part of the curse. I don't need to live with this anymore. Jesus redeemed me from the curse so that the blessing could come on me. And then I began, I, that was the Logos. But it was an arama for me. And, and I'd pray for everybody else to get healed, but for some reason or other, you know, I was just suffering. And I said, no, 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 I got the rhema. Wait a minute. This throat's been dedicated to God. This voice box has been consecrated to God. It's going to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. And no weapon formed against me shall prosper. Strep throat, you're a weapon, and you're coming against me, but you're not going to prosper. I curse you at the very root. You will not reoccur. I curse you every bit of cellular destruction that has come would be made whole. And you know what? It has been so many years years now. Dr. Blackwood has not seen me since uh, Townsend was born 20, 21 years, 21 years ago. He probably says, you need to get in here, boy. You know, but he used to see me all the time. I don't even know if he's still in practice anymore because wow. But let me tell you what, it works. It works. God's logos becoming rhema. I love seeing science Back up the Word of God. I don't depend on science because, and I'm not afraid of science. 
Because if it's honest science, it will always back the Word of God. Because the Word of God is true. The Word of God is true. And it's never been disproved and never will be disproved. People have had thousands and thousands of years to try and disprove it. And it cannot be disproved because it is a Word of God. So I, but I, so I love looking to science. And there was this study that was done by Dr. Leah Crum. And uh, she did uh, quite a few. She's a graduate of Yale and Harvard, and she put teams together uh, of very high-ranking uh, scientists in the medical field and different uh, psychological field and different fields to do these tests. And it was to see whether or not the mindset of a person really matters. That's what the study was. So they did one in medicine and one in exercise and one in diet. Okay, that touches us all in one way or another. And in the medicine, there was these patients, they looked at these patients in many different facilities that were going through thoracic surgery, very invasive surgery, going through like ribs getting into the lungs. And it was just, it was very invasive, a lot of pain post-surgery and pain management. So here's what they do. We're going to split these into two groups and we're going to give the exact same dosage of morphine post-op to each group. But one group is going to receive their medicine from the doctor in their doctor's attire. And the other group is going to receive their meds through a pre-programmed pump. So they're getting the same dose of morphine at the same time. It's just one's getting it from a physical doctor, another one's getting it from a uh, pre-programmed pump. And when they did the study, group one that received their dosage from the physical doctor, their pain went from a high eight, nine, down to a three, uh, to a low four. Just like, went down. The same dosage of the same meds from the same surgery was given to group two through a pre-programmed pump, and their pain was almost identical. It just dropped just a tad bit, but it stayed very, very high. They went, wow, this is amazing. Same dosage, same medicine, same surgery, but this group on average went down because they received it from a physical doctor. Was it their mindset when they saw that doctor whom they trusted giving them those meds, their mind tapped into releasing even a greater healing power in their body? So they go on and they say, you know, we got to see this in another uh, study. So they did it one for exercise. And, uh, and they wanted to see if the mindset uh, would be different in this field. So they took 84 hotel uh, housekeepers. And these hotel housekeepers, you know, they're vacuuming all these rooms. They're in a hurry because they've turned the rooms over. They're changing the beds and they're scrubbing in the bathroom. So they took 84, put 42 in one group, 42 in another group. Now, one group, uh, well, actually, they asked them all this question in the beginning. Do you guys exercise regularly? And the majority of them said, no. <laughs> By the time we get out of here, after we've done all these rooms, there ain't no way I'm going to the gym. There ain't no way. I, I, no, we don't exercise. So do you, they said, well, do you consider yourself healthy? They said, no, we're stressed out. No, they, the pressure they put on us to turn the room over, and they want the room perfect. They want it perfect. They want it like it's brand new. When that group just left out of here, a bunch of heathens, you know, messed up everything. You know, they were fussing and all. They said, okay, so they took all this down. Then they split them into two groups, 42 in one group, 42 in another. One group they take and they give them this 15-minute simple presentation. And they say to them, you know what? When you, the work you do is actually good exercise. 
Did you know that when you're changing the linens, you're changing a bed, for every bed you change, that's 40 calories you burn. Really? Did you know when you vacuum the floor for 15 minutes, that's 50 calories you burn? Wow! And did you know when you were scrubbing in that bathroom, did you know for 15 minutes working in that bathroom, you were burning 60 calories? No way! So they said, you should expect to receive great benefits from your eight-hour shift. That you're literally getting paid to exercise. This is amazing. It's a win-win. The other group, they said nothing. Just go about your work. So they come back in four weeks, okay? And they had measured, when they originally started, they measured their blood pressure, they measured their body fat, they measured their weight, and they measured their satisfaction of their job. So now four weeks has passed by. They come back, and guess what? The group who had received that 15-minute instructions that the actual job you have is an exercise job. This is a great benefit to your job. They checked their weight. They had all lost weight. They checked their body fat. It had all dropped in, in its percentage. They checked their blood pressure. Their blood pressure was better. It had dropped. And their like or love of their job had increased dramatically. Wow. So they go over to group number two who had received no instructions and they checked them and everything flatlined. It was all the same. It was all the same. No weight loss, blood pressure still the same, body fat still the same, and still miserable at their job. Wow. They said, this is amazing. So they said, I wonder if this will work in the diet as well. So they put out these flyers in these universities and they said, we're going to have a milkshake study. We'll pay you $75 to be a part of this study and we'll give you free milkshakes. Oh, oh. <laughs> Brother Mark's already signing up. <laughs> now there's, there's a little catch is we're going to put an IV in to check your blood when you're, while you're drinking your milkshake. Now that's the only negative of it, but you'll get $75, drink milkshakes, and we're going to do this study. And we're going to measure your, your ghrelin, I think it's what it's called. It's this uh, uh, hunger hormone that's produced. Uh, it, it, it produces, when we're hungry, it increases so that it lets us know metabolism slow down because you're hungry. Don't, don't be burning up my reserve. Slow down because uh, we, might not, we don't know when we're going to get to eat. But when you eat something, it, 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 comes, it decreases so that it increases your metabolism. It tells you, we've just eaten, metabolism kick in, we've got to digest this food. So that's what they're measuring, this hormone uh, ghrelin that is uh, secreted in the blood. So they sit them there and, uh, and, and they give them this shake. And it's got a big label on it, it's called Sensa Shake, okay? And it says on it, 0% fat. Okay, you still want it? <laughs> it's zero added sugar. You still want it? And it's only 140 calories. Guilt-free satisfaction. So they've got the IVN. They're drinking this shake. And uh, their grilling levels dropped 20 points. Not much. Just a little bit on the, uh, on the charts. And they finished drinking it. And it stayed low at 20. Not much is happening here. Okay. So they bring them back the next week. And they give them another shake called the indulgent shake. Now, this is the shake you really want. Okay. It had on its label 30 grams of fat, 56 grams of sugar, whoo, 620 calories. 
and they're drinking the indulgent shake while they've got their ivy going, and their grilling levels drop 70 points. And we went, shoom, and it's like metabolism kick in. We've got some, we got some goods in us, okay. And uh, so they took all of this here, uh, not- notification down. Now, to a nutritionist, that would make sense. You know, less calories, less ghrelin is produced. More calories, more ghrelin is produced. That's just, that's how it works. But here's the catch. Both weeks, they were given the exact same shake. Can you believe that? And it was a a mix between the two. The labels were incorrect. Each week they had the same shake that had only 13 grams of fat, only 44 grams of sugar, and only 380 calories. But the first time when they saw the label that said diet, their grilling didn't do anything. But when they saw the one that says indulge a shake, this is all out. This is Krispy Kreme in liquid form. Okay. <laughs> their, their grilling level went, Phew. but it was the same. So what we believe, what we expect, what we think about a pain med or what we think about our exercise, or even what we think about the food that we eat, determines our body's response. The same morphine, but a different response. The same exercise, but a different response. The same milkshake, but a different response. Because of what they believed about it. Your mindset really does matter. And David said in Psalms 39 and 3, My heart grew warm within me, hot within me, as I meditated and the fire burned. Then I spoke with my tongue. Come on, if we get that scripture up there, I want you to see it. I want you to see it with your eyes as you hear me read it. Psalms 39 and 3. It says, My heart grew hot within me as I meditated. The fire then uh, I spoke. the, The fire burned and then I spoke with my tongue. I am saying in closing to you this morning that when we go from, we got the revelation, we've got to stay in the Word. We've got to see what God has said. And we need to not get locked up in the Old Covenant and get into New Covenant because the New Covenant, we've got a, we've got a better high priest. The Bible tells us in Hebrews that Jesus is our, now our high priest. <coughs> Excuse me. He's a better high priest. He, is, he has negotiated a better covenant on better promises on better blood, not the blood of an ox or a goat or, or a dove, but the blood of the Lamb of God. It's an eternal covenant that is ours. So we've got to get into the revelation that's for us right now, and we get that revelation, but we can't just let it run through our mind. We've got to meditate on it. Because the second part of this progression, it goes from revelation to meditation. And from meditation, then comes Proclamation. So what I want us to do is learn that we need to meditate on the Word of God. You need to look at the promises of God. All of the promises of God are what? Yea and amen. If y'all could put up there the three uh, progression so that we can see that as we're close. Thank you so much. Uh, So that we can see we got the revelation, but we need to take that revelation and say, this is for me. And I begin to personalize it. And I begin to call on it. And I begin to say, wait a minute, by His stripes, I was healed. By His stripes, healing is mine. By His stripes, healing. Healing is a part of of, of the bread that God has provided for me. 
that He sent His Word and healed all our diseases. It's God's will that all our diseases be healed. I'm not going to live with this. I'm not. The curse has been removed off of me. I'm not going to live under the dictates of the curse. I'm going to live under the dictates of the blessing. Jesus has already done this so that it is mine. And it's mine. And I'm not letting it go. And I'm going to bring it into my home. And I'm going to bring it into my family. And I'm going to bring it into my body. And I'm going to bring it through my mind until it gets established in my heart. And I believe. And when I believe it, then I'm going to speak it. And when I speak it through proclamation, then it will be. And I can call that which is not as though it be, and it will become. Hallelujah. I have now the creative power of God in my tongue because it's coming out of a heart that believes. And the way I believe is I meditated on the revelation until it became personal unto me. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Would you stand with me, please? Praise the name of Jesus. And that takes us to Revelation 10, which is such a powerful, powerful scripture that we're going to put up here. It says that if you will confess with your mouth, with your mouth that Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. What does he say in verse 10? For with the heart, this is where it begins, for with the heart one believes unto righteousness. You're out of order. You're out of order. But righteousness sets your spine back in order so that everything can flow and everything can move properly again. We're bent over. We're broken. We're out of order. But let me tell you what. When you believe, the believing, when you believe the Word of God, you meditate on it, it sets you back into righteousness, in the right order, so that now with the mouth you can confess and sozo, sozo, healing, sozo, prosperity, sozo, deliverance, sozo, joy, sozo, peace, sozo, restoration, sozo, eternity with God, sozo is yours. And I declare today that you would rise up as men and women of God who would say, wait a minute, I've been given the revelation. I've got it right here. I've got the Word of God. What I'm going to do now is I'm going to get into there and I'm every promise of God is yes and amen in Christ Jesus. I'm going to find out the promises of God unto me. And as I take hold of the promise of God, I'm going to meditate on it. I'm going to speak it unto myself. I'm going to be like a cow. I'm going to chew on it and I'm going to bring it back up and I'm going to bring it back up. If I need healing, I'm going to hold on to a healing scripture. He sent his word and healed all their diseases. He sent his word. He healed all my diseases. I'm personalizing it. He sent his word. His word is here. His son was the word. The word was with God. The word became flesh. The word is with us. Jesus, we've got his word. He did everything for my healing. I'm not going to live under this sickness. I'm not going to live under this disease. I'm not going to live under this loss. I'm not going to live under this spirit of poverty. I'm not going to live in this bondage. I'm not going to live with this sadness and depression. I'm not going to live with it because he whom the sunsets free is free indeed I'm getting free in this area I'm getting free in this area that's that's the revelation that his son set me free now I'm supposed to be double freed in him so I'm going to meditate on it and I'm going to meditate on it. I'm going to talk to myself I'm going to talk to myself and when my heart goes from being warmed by the revelation to where a fire is burning and there's a cockiness there's a confidence there's a Holy Ghost anointing in me I'm then going to put my foot down in the muttering is going to go into proclamation and I'm going to speak it and the demons are going to say he means business and they're going to pack their bags and the devil's going to say wait a minute this is what Jesus did to me in the wilderness and he re he resisted me and I had to flee now here's a Jesus like one who's doing the same thing like Jesus and now I got he's resisting me so I got to flee hallelujah and the devil will move out of your apartment Glory to God.
Glory to God. Glory to God. As we go to prayer now, if you're here this morning, maybe a year, five years, 20 years, you parroted, parroted a prayer and you asked Jesus to come into your heart and it was a head knowledge thing. It looked like a good thing. But you have not experienced the supernatural rebirth, supernatural miracle of God that transforms you from the old man to a new man, that the old creature has been passed away and all things have become new. I'm here to tell you, don't live the lie. Don't live with the nominal Christian title on your face when the reality is not in your heart. When all you really need to do is you need to hear the revelation that God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, Jesus, so that you, if you will believe, if you will believe, you will not perish but have everlasting life. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Here You're here this morning, you say, wait a minute, I don't want to live under that nominal powerless Christian front anymore. I want to be the child of God. I want to live in Holy Ghost anointing and Holy Ghost power. I want to be more than a conqueror. I want to be more than an overcomer. I want, when I walk in the room, Jesus is with me and He walks in the room and the devil has to flee. I want the, the soles of my feet, wherever they shall tread, that that will be establishing the kingdom of God. I want my life to matter. I want my life to make a difference. I want my name written in the Lamb's book of life and I want to be called a child of God right now right now the revelation is yours Jesus has died for you Jesus shed his blood to wash your sins away Jesus came and paid your debt no longer should you live under your debt no longer should you justify being sick because you're a sinner no longer should you justify struggling financially because you're a sinner no longer should you justify being sad because you're a sinner I'm telling you you need to be set free and become a child of God you're no longer called a sinner but a sinner saved by grace and now a saint of God hallelujah so you got to believe Jesus paid it for me Jesus paid it for me there's no need for me to carry this stuff. No need for me to carry this thing. I'm not sick for His glory. How would that bring Him glory when He came and took on my sickness for my healing? I'm really stealing glory from Him by not allowing His healing virtue, by not allowing His victory. So Lord, I want to make it real. I don't want to stay on the outlines or on the, on the, in the bleachers of this thing anymore. I want to be in the middle that which you call the family of God. So here am I, Lord. I take the revelation of your truth. Jesus, you gave your life for me. And Lord, I want to meditate on that and meditate on that until it warms my heart, until it becomes a fire. Jesus, Jesus, you gave your life for me. Now you're asking me to give my life for you. You're asking me to live my life to bring you glory. You're asking me to live my life to bring you honor. So I surrender to your Lordship. The Bible says then, as you proclaim with your tongue, Jesus is my Lord. So, so, 
Salvation comes unto you. The revelation through meditation becomes reality through proclamation. If you've not prayed that prayer with sincerity, let's pray it together right now. Join me, church. Father God, I come before you this day. I've heard your word. I receive your revelation that you love me, that you provided the sin sacrifice for me. So I'm not going to live under its judgment anymore. For he whom the Son sets free is free indeed. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. I'm coming from under the condemnation into glorification. But not for my glory. For your glory. So I call you Jesus. My Lord. I surrender. My life is your life. My talents are your talents. My gifts are your gifts. The anointing in me is the anointing of you. The love in me is the love of Christ. So use me. Take me. Use me mightily to advance your kingdom. From this moment on, I am yours. You are mine. We're in covenant. And I love you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, somebody give God praise. Hallelujah. If you've made that confession from a heart of meditation, the reality of proclamation now needs to be. You need to tell somebody that Jesus Christ is my Lord and my Savior. And if you need a Bible, come see me or go by the Welcome Center. We've got a Bible for you to begin your journey. We've got a discipleship class that can help you. We've got a Discover Embassy class that can help you. We've got an adult Sunday school class that meets every uh, early service in the fellowship hall. There are so much resources to help you grow in your understanding of the revelation that God has for you. Amen? Amen. Come on, how about love on one another? Shake somebody's hand, hug 